welcome to the Alpha Academy podcast. The Alpha Academy has been developed in partnership with Betsy Cadwallader University Health Board and is part funded by the Welsh Government, led by Bangor University. In this episode, Tracy will be discussing the importance of health economics with Professor Rhiannon Tudor-Edwards. So a really big welcome today to Rhiannon. Could you start, Rhiannon, by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background and the kind of work that you're involved in in Tune? Thank you. So um, my name is Professor Rhiannon Tudor-Edwards and I'm a health economist. And my work has been for the last 30 years on prevention and public health and the health economics um, of, of, of that. And in 2001, I wrote a paper published in the journal Health Economics, which was called From Healthcare Economics to Health Economics. So it was starting my personal work journey of saying, why are we talking about the economics of medicine when actually people's health depends on a lot more things? It depends on access to healthcare. But it, you know, as we we know, it depends on an awful lot of other things. It depends on our genetics. It de- de- depends on our socioeconomic status. On our, the phrase I love is our lifetime health opportunity architecture. So what, where are we in terms of um, the, the opportunities for a healthy long life? And I started off by. Um, a career by starting doing a PhD in health economics at York and I'd spent two years <clears throat> in Canada doing my master's and I got interested in health economics and I got interested in um, that because I had a, and my father was a doctor and my mum physiotherapist and um, really I, I'd enjoyed economics and I could just could see the application of economics to this huge problem of how do we make healthcare and the opportunities for better health available to the whole population. Um, and then I got interested then in, um, I, I had a job in Liverpool at the University of Liverpool as lecturer in health economics and working with Mersey Health as it was then. And I've always had a, um, a, an honorary contract with the NHS. And then um, I came to Bangor because I married a guy from Anglesey and I wanted my children to grow up speaking Welsh and I wanted a horse in the garden and that was lovely that all happened <laughs> <laughs> and um and then uh, so then then actually um I was taken on at Bangor University to to develop as the founding director of health economics and I was uh, charged with setting up a health economics group and that's been a wonderful thing to do and I've done that with my colleague Professor Doug Hughes who is a pharmaco-economist so I am the person who's interested in public health and prevention and his interests is are particularly medicine and adherence but of course there's an awful lot of prevention relevant to um, pharmacoeconomics too so I think actually our interests are starting to converge um, and, and then we now have a very active centre and it's a centre where many of the colleagues from the Alpha Academy have trained and done their PhDs. And um, and it's exciting for me now in my 50s to see young people developing health economics and it reaching out across Bang University um, and and into, into, you know, 
other other areas of, of Wales and the UK in terms of our theme of prevention economics. That's so interesting. You have such a fascinating background. I'd, I think I could talk to you all day. Um, could you tell us then what, what are some of the recent projects that you've been working on in the centre? So the way health economics groups work, um, we, we have some infrastructure funding from Welsh Government through Health and Care uh, Research Wales. And we I, I co-direct Health and Care Economics Cymru with my colleague, Professor Deb Fitzsimmons at Swansea and colleagues like Dovrig and um, other, other colleagues are also involved with developing the network of health economics across Wales. And we our, our in a way, we're here to provide health economics background and into bids and we compete for research money to people like the NIHR, uh, HTA, the Med, um, Medical Research Council. And, you know, we're bringing millions of pounds into Bangor and across Wales, contributing. So every big clinical trial tends to need now health economics analysis along the side. Now, the interesting thing for me is that once you move away from the laboratory or the hospital and you start doing public health trials, sometimes they might be within the NHS, which might be something like um, a smoking cessation programme in, in general practice. So we'd look at the costs and outcomes and measure those. But many, many interventions in public health are delivered outside of the healthcare setting. So they're in schools and uh, workplaces and now through um, social prescribing, through local communities and, you know, the wider wider sector. So and never mind the underlying um, impact of things like benefits policies and employment situations in the general economy. You know, so so the health economics we do now in public health has to take a much broader perspective and it needs to take the perspective of uh, society and rather than an NHS perspective. So this has led to a whole portfolio of studies um, now, my colleague, uh, Dr. Karis Jones, has worked on uh, work in, in dementia economics, and we've done some social prescribing in, um, in, in local, a local precinct study that she led on, which was fantastic. And that was a study looking in, in Arius Park, looking at the return on investment of uh, people able to go to a local leisure centre and be able to um, uh, meet their, maybe their, their, their exercise needs, but also their wider health needs. And so we were working out what was the social uh, uh, benefit of that, wider benefit. Um, we've, we've done a lot of work, as I said earlier, in the economics of dementia. We've done work in early years. Um, and my colleague, uh, Dr. Nathan Bray, has led on work looking at um, mobility and, and uh, wheelchair access for young children. And we know that in that, that period of naught to three or the first thousand days is, is unbelievably um, important. And we'll put in the chat a, a, an MRI scan of um, two brains, one a brain of a three-year-old child who's had a good start in life and uh, the brain of a child who's had a bad start in life. And, and there's a real size difference. And it, to me, that image is one that just speaks volumes. And you know, we we really spend so so little proportionately across the life course on the early years still, um, and and then very little on the middle years, 
and you can and then and you'll know what the costs of 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 health and social care go up towards the end of life and and if you look at the office of budgetary responsibility um graphs which again we can put in the chat they they're very interesting to see how we use societal resources across that period so just just to come to a current project that i'm involved in and this was so exciting in my 50s to be uh, really stretched in a um, a Horizon Europe study, and it's so wonderful to work with the European colleagues on um, a big study looking at prevention, and, and it's on smart capacitating investment, which none of us understood that term. Um, but it really means how to use the private sector, the public sector, and social enterprise to use money to facilitate prevention. And some of this is social prescribing, which is getting people out to build their physical and mental health through activities, sometimes in retirement, but sometimes not. Um, and that is a wonderful study, which is um, led by Skorna in the south of Sweden. And I was there with colleagues um, at a startup meeting in early February. And that study has four test beds. It has test beds in Spain, Germany, southern Sweden and mid Wales. And we're all looking at different life course stages and that's going on for four years. So I'm very excited with my colleagues, um, uh, Dr. Holly Whiteley and Jacob Davies and Dr. Victoria Zierfer at GEEM to be working on that study. So it's a portfolio approach to research. Some of it is small projects, some of it is very big projects. And, um, and then finally, I think I can tell you about a recent publication that was about well-being. Now, I was talking to you, Tracy, about this concept of well-becoming, wasn't I, earlier? Yeah, yeah, I'm really interested in that. I mean, is that is that also linked to, I mean, you mentioned a little bit before, but the sort of whole system approach, because I'm also interested in that, this kind of like systems thinking and looking at things from this, you know, you said about sort of research into, into prevention and population health is we have to go wider, don't we, than hospital settings and into sort of schools and communities. Well, that's right. And I mean, it, I, I wonder if you're surprised if I say to you that we we currently spend 5% of the NHS budget on prevention. Um, you know, it's not much, is it? And we know that the health and social care system is under strain. Uh, we, we see pictures in the newspaper of, um, of ambulances queuing up, and it's very difficult for commissioners to shift money from even if they want to from um from cure to prevention because you know we're talking about in-year budgets or three-year um uh, funding cycles even the political cycle is one that doesn't really emphasize what we have in wales is fantastic we have the well-being of future generations act and uh so that that does give an emphasis that every new policy needs to take into account in a way, um, the prevention aspect of what we're doing in terms of uh, the impact on the current and future generations. So, I mean, the whole systems thinking is very difficult because if you think about it, we work in silos. You know, there's health, there's transport, there's education, there's, you know, and everybody's got their budgets and everyone's got their goals and their metrics. And and an example I quite often use is the local council will put gravel on the um, pavements in the winter, right? Stop us falling over or accidents. So who benefits from that? 
Well, potentially it's the NHS who benefit from less hip fractures and slips. Well, you know, the local council don't see the direct benefits. The NHS see the benefits, but it's the local council who've paid for the gritting of the roads. So this is a real, it's always been a bit of an issue. Um, but this multi-sectoral approach is one that's been put forward by the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, NICE, in its guidance. And it very much pushes for a more societal perspective on the economic evaluations of public health interventions, a lower discount rate. Um, so the Treasury and the Treasury Green Book suggest, you know, a 3%, 3.5% discount rate for future costs and benefits because if you think about it much prevention activity and cost happens now and the benefits are in the next decade or two so um if you use a lower discount rate you you in a way are recognizing the societal reasons for emphasizing and investing in prevention and i think this takes me to the philosophy in a way of well-becoming and um, I published a paper recently in Frontiers in Public Health and we'll put a link in the uh, in the chat to that afterwards for the podcast and we developed a new um, an infographic which is the idea that it's it's based on a on if you like a slightly Buddhist wheel of life because it because the, the classic pictures of um, the socioeconomic determinants of well of, of health um, are, are in a way static, I think, uh, and 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 that's the whitehead diagram, the rainbow diagram that again many of your listeners will know about. And I just had this feeling that that we needed to develop an infographic that was through life from preconception, birth, and then actually to include death on it because nobody ever talks about death in all this, you know. And mm. preventing a bad death is really important. Um, Absolutely, you yeah. know, and yeah. and actually, that's something that you know. If you look at any of these infographics, they leave they just put old age on, you know, yeah. and they don't put death on, and and planning for that, planning, for yeah, that. exactly, planning for exactly. That. And you know, one of the big projects we have on at the moment on rare dementias, there's a there's been a my colleague, um, Dr. Dr. Bethany Anthony at Cheam has has done some a lovely paper on. You know, on the on the the economics of a bereavement class for people who've looked after people with a rare dementia for many years, you know, and that that's caring for the carer, if you like. And we know that over forty percent of the costs of dementia nationally are borne by informal carers. So, you know, the dementia costs the NHS a lot, but it costs costs, and they may be very willing. And, and there's a huge reciprocity of that care often, but it's also very challenging. Um, and when that comes to an end, there's, there's a need for care of the carers. Um, so going back to the infographic, it's the idea of, you know, all the factors that might influence our health through the life course. And the fact that how we are, in, you know, the preschool experience we have influences how children learn in school. And then um, how teenagers get through their teens influences their working or studying stage through their 20s. And then potentially the parenting they received might influence how they parent themselves. And people my age, you know, how your, your well-being and health in your 50s is going to influence your health and how you age later on. So I think that what we talk about at the public health and um, group at team is really this life course lens um and 
uh, you know, it's not unique, but it does colour everything we're doing. And we're working on a bid today, um, a Bangor contribution to a bid um, about green transition. And that's the idea of really within Wales, moving our thinking, because we cannot sustain a public health care system um, funded as it is from tax with an ageing population and the uh, staffing issues that have come about partly from Brexit, but other changes without thinking hard about a culture of prevention. And I think countries like the Netherlands and some of the Nordic countries, which have a bigger public sector, do, are, are ahead of us in this. And it and actually, the, maybe one of the last things I can talk about with you is this concept of um, a social contract for what the NHS will provide to us, but also um, what we are responsible for in terms of co-producing our own health. There's a fantastic book um, produced by um, Manoush Shafiq, who is the um, director of the London School of Economics. And she wrote a book called What We Owe Each Other. And it's about social contract theory. And it has it has chapters on health and education and uh, other things in it. And, you know, it, it really is about who do we believe is responsible for our health through our lifetime um, and, and that concept of co-producing this. And I'm very lucky to have um, two PhD students, Dimitra and Vladislav, who've come over from Ukraine at the moment. And um, Vladislav is, is exploring this concept of co-production of health, you know, and and how do we think about our own roles in in empowering people in often very difficult social situations to uh and actually this is where it brings in the behavioral economics because the the whole design of interventions that can help people with prevention is 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 really important and i i actually think the the your your podcast you know in a, it's not care it's not necessarily preventative care it's kind of it's kind of enabling co-production of prevention. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at today. <laughs> oh, it's fascinating. I, I think, I, like I said, I could talk to you all day. I think, Rhiannon is. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've never heard of this social contract theory, so I, I want no more. And I'm sure our listeners will be able to look at some of the links that we provide to find out more about all of this, you know, all this work that you're involved in and all of these papers that you're writing. So um, one thing we did say before, didn't we, that you're you're providing a course, aren't you, in collaboration with the Alpha Academy that maybe some of our listeners might want to, to know more about. Could you tell us a little bit about your course? That Yes, of course. They, um, what we're doing is uh, collaboratively, the Centre for Health Economics and Medicines Evaluation team and the Alpha Academy are putting on a course. It's um, uh, online course and this will be to talk about a lot of the things I've been talking about today and it's we've entitled it applied health economics for the uh, public health practice and research and this is aligned with a textbook that um, my my colleague uh, Professor Emma McIntosh at Glasgow University and myself edited and you know several of the colleagues that you, you might meet through the Alpha Academy and my colleagues at CHEAM have contributed chapters to that book it was a very much a collection of work over the last decade at, at Bangor. And that, I mean, last year we ran it with, with I think, delegates for about, from about 120 delegates from right across the globe. Uh, and this is the joy of online courses. Um, and we had a lot of young people in the research group presenting their research. So, so um, talks about 
a study at the moment called the Kiva, which is an anti-bullying program because bullying has a long shadow through life uh, on people's employment prospects, confidence and health and mental well-being. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's that's a big study just writing up now on on 20 schools across England and and uh, so on a randomised controlled trial basis. That's a really um, solid Welsh led study. Um, and so the, the really the, the course will be interactive and uh, we'll, we'll, there'll be a lot of um, supporting materials and we hope that it points you to other areas of interest afterwards. But it's it's. There's not, you know, it's, a, it, it's not a technical course, but it will bring in a lot of these things we've talked about in this podcast and introduce you to basics of health economics, the basics of prevention, public health, so primary, secondary, tertiary prevention, um, and then a lot of examples because I think people learn through uh, examples and an opportunity for you to feedback to us. Um, you know your particular situation or interest area of interest and we're always ready to collaborate on projects we do a lot of social return on investment analysis as well as um, more conventional cost benefit analysis um, cost effectiveness analysis and uh, value-based healthcare. Sounds great so what we'll do is we'll, we'll put all those links so that people want to join on that course they can do that that'd be fab um, so just a final question for you Rihanna so have you got any final thoughts really going forward for organisations in um, health and social care in Wales you know what, what's going to be really important do you think going forward for population health and prevention? Um, I think the direction of change it's a bit like the the um, the the net zero direction of change it's it's unavoidable and we'll be a better society if we go down this line and public sector organizations as well as third sector organizations have a huge role to play the difficulty of course is meeting the realities of pressures on everyday service provision and demands and uh, you know lack of staff lack of budgets or the rest of it with this lovely concept of prevention but actually if we can close that circle and show early wins within 12 months of where prevention is working so I think collecting data is really important with service evaluation so that might be short questionnaires beginning and end of it and often buddying up with your local university or uh, research hub to be able to try and um, collect data and also some testimonials from people um, about how you know, activities of we've just done a study with um, getting people to walk in the hills and teaching them safe walking skills and, you know, how that's helped with the community, you know, getting people together, how that's helped their confidence and mental health and maybe get, getting back to work in North Wales. I think any organisation can build in health and wellbeing. Just it should be really handled in the same way as we're building in green stuff and sustainability. Um, so maybe having a policy in your organisation and um, and then having, you know, on your website, having some stuff. And again, you know, we're, we're willing to, to talk about that and be of help both at the Alpha Academy and and our centre. Oh, that's excellent. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. And like to our listeners, we'll put all those links. And if you want to get in touch with myself or the team or Rhiannon, please do. And we can carry on with these conversations outside. And thank you very much, Rhiannon. It's been so great talking to you. Thank you. 
For regular updates on the Alpha Academy, including upcoming workshops and courses, you can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook at Alpha Academy. Or visit our website www.banger.ac.uk forward slash Alpha Academy. That's banger.ac.uk forward slash Alpha C-A-D-E-M-Y.